Shio, shio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Native Podcast. I genuinely hope you are staying safe and sane during this madness that is 2020. I hope you're breaking out the stretchy pants for Indigia Feast, and just hope you're taking care of yourselves and your loved ones and keeping a social distance when at all possible. And I'm really excited uh, to share this episode. Thank you for tuning in. It's with uh, a guy I went to high school with, and I think we're actually closer now that we're adults, uh, Michael Slee. And he's got a great new initiative, Ani Kanoheshki. It's a platform for contemporary Native writers to share their thoughts and ideals. Really great. um, And suggest anyone who's thinking about writing uh, to think about contributing to to this blog, this platform. And I'll be sure to post that in the show info for you to check out. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to let you get into the episode. All right. So I am here with, uh, gosh, I don't even know how to, to describe you, Mike. I, we, go, we go way back. I, we say that a lot with people, but we really do go way back to, to uh, elementary, high school, all that good time. So fellow Cherokee High School uh, class of 2005 graduates um, and now just you know family man you know working in working on the res you know just doing a lot of really cool projects now with uh, sharing uh, our voices but yeah so so Mike I want to I want to go back though I want to start with um, tell me what it was like for you um, just pretending you obviously we, we kind of know each other, but for people who don't know you, um, what was your experience like growing up on the res in Cherokee? So Shio, first of all, Matt, it's yeah it's you. Um wow. So I, I moved to Cherokee and my mom's family's from here and uh, my dad is not um but I didn't move here until I was in fourth grade. Um at the beginning of our fourth grade years when I moved here. I don't I don't know what your recollection of that was and how you remember me mm-hmm. like a new student <laughs> but uh that mm-hmm. was 1996 uh it was um was the first year that I moved here and I, I lived in Jacksonville Florida before that um I used to visit a lot come up and stay with my grandma so I always kind of had that connection to being Cherokee and where I was from but it wasn't really um a reality to me, I guess, until I was placed in that environment. And um, once I yeah. came to live here, then it was, you know, it became more real and being surrounded by more Native children. I mean, there was no other Native youth around that I went to school with, you know, I mean, there there was a lot of minority students, but none were Native. And so like anytime Indigenous topics got brought up to us as an elementary student for like kindergarten through third grade. It was like, hey, that's what I am. But rarely was it ever like Cherokee, you know? And and it, to be honest, I didn't understand the difference between Pan-Indian um, topics that get brought up and, and who mm-hmm. I was. I didn't really have that connection um, until I actually got to move here. And like I said, I mean, I, I knew my grandma on her side of the family and, and my mom and and her dad and who are all Cherokee people. And um, 
but I, I think I almost had an inferiority when I came here and I, I am by mm. the end, you know, so it's yeah. funny because uh, I, I don't know if I ever projected that to where people could see it because I remember like one of my uncles asking me and I think mom kind of put this on him like you need to talk to your nephew see where he wants to go to school and he asked me you know like do you want to go to Swain or do you want to go to Cherokee and I was like why would I go to Swain I live in Cherokee I mean even though we're in Swain County um it and and Jackson County but it didn't make any sense to me I was like why would I not go to Cherokee if this is where I lived and he was like it's hard kid kids are rough at that school so and you're light-skinned you're going to get picked on a little bit but you mm -hmm. play sport you're good at football um, and you know how to fight. So you're going to have to fight a little bit, but once right. you get out of the way and people figure out you're willing to fight and you're, you're good at sports, you know, that you're going to be okay. And and I, I went through that. He was absolutely right. I dealt with it a little bit um, when I first moved here that first year. And then it was like, after that, you know, it was just part of the crowd and everybody's family and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, I almost wish that I'd been here all my life instead of having that first part away from here. But then there's other times I kind of look at like viewpoints that I have and um, the the different foundation that I have than people who have lived here all their life. And I'm appreciative of that as well because I've ex I experienced things in my childhood that a lot of people don't experience that are from here until they go off to college. Mm -hmm. if college so um that was beneficial but it it was it was hard I think when I for the transition period when I first moved here but man now it's like I I appreciate home so much and I, I think when um I was in Oregon last year I think I talked to you about it about this a little bit but um sometimes I just for those same reasons about like my foundation that I appreciate from not having lived here all my life. I, I've thought about and considered like moving my kids away for a while, just so they get that experience of right. not always living here and getting trapped in that fishbowl mentality of mm -hmm. life and beyond these mountains. And, um, but then I look at it and I'm so appreciative of the culture that we have at our fingertips here. And I can play stickball here. I can be immersed in our stomp dances and and have my kids in that and the immersion school that they go to to learn the language, um, and have all that readily accessible and have them involved in it, um, and knowing who they are as Cherokee people and not ever having that question about it like I did, I guess, of like what does it actually mean to be Cherokee? And Absolutely. Like, that's that's yeah. something that I had to learn and grow into, and I. I I don't think I've, I figured it out until I was probably an adult. <laughs> and uh, it was, I mean, I, I grew up around everybody here. And um, once I moved here and everybody's friends and family and, um, but just kind of finding our place and who we are. And I, I think some of that is our culture wasn't as alive then when we were in school, mm -hmm. it is now yeah. we're making a, a revitalization now, which is encouraging. Um, and some of that was like, some of the culture was active and alive and I just didn't take part because I didn't come from a very cultural family, um, okay. which, you know, understanding as an adult now why that happened to many of our families and why we weren't involved is uh, it, you gain a lot more clear picture, you know, that was strategic to keep us from doing that. And it, it worked and a couple of our generations 
fell off and slacked off on it. And, uh, but I think yeah. some people that are our age and younger are getting back into it now and understanding that there was a time when our grandparents were punished for practicing our culture and we don't have that excuse anymore. So we need to be out here doing it. And uh, there's, there's nothing that I enjoy more. And so now when I think about it, like where else could I move besides, you know, Northeastern Oklahoma that I can right. have the Cherokee culture and uh, no offense to my friends in Oklahoma, but I, I would much rather <laughs> here than Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, oh my gosh, Joe, you touched on so many like amazing points there that just really signify, I think, the native ex indigenous experience in, in this country of that, you know, people think it's a really simple, well, you live on a res and you have all these traditions or, or you don't and, you know, it's... It, or you know it's it's the blood the blood quantum and if you look native or you don't look native and there's so much that it, there's so many layers to it that people don't don't understand and they and I think even being Cherokee is hard because it's one of the like most kind of famous that people kind of gravitate towards and so I'm constantly you know, try, I, I've got to call it, I say generic-y a lot because that's what people kind of use as they're like, my great-great-grandma was Cherokee, you know, but mm. I, that's such a good point. I, I honestly didn't remember you not being in school with us all, all along. Like I never, I didn't realize that you had, had moved, had moved and like, but I can totally understand that, like feeling like, you know, it, it is such, I mean, we're with the same group of you know 50 students for all you know 13 years of school so I, I can only imagine like how uh how wild that was like did you were you playing playing sports before you moved and then did you like how was the sport experience and then like stickball when did you get introduced to stickball so the yes um <laughs> yeah I played sports I, I played football and um, I, I don't know how you viewed me or what your viewpoint on me was, but a, a funny thing I remember from middle school um, and playing JV football, and of course I was living here already by then, but uh, Timmy Ray Smith was our coach, and it was funny because I remember he was talking about how at other schools, you know, kids can play one sport, and they're either basketball players or football players um, or track athletes or baseball players mm -hmm. and like, hey, Cherokee, we don't have enough he's like everybody here is athletes all of you are athletes he's like except for Slee he's a football player <laughs> anything else so. but uh, it was it was funny to me and, and, uh, you know at the time it was like offensive because I was like I'm as good as anybody else but looking back right. that was the sport that I excelled at and uh everything else you know I was just another guy out there but uh I, I played football when um, I lived in Jacksonville. My first year was actually down there. I played for the Arlington Chiefs. And um, then my How appropriate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, at the time, I thought it was, like, really cool. The the older team, and, and down there, they actually have, like, weight classes. I guess it's more, like, Pop Warner rules. And here, it's funny. Like, if you're in this age group, it doesn't matter if you weigh 300 pounds and you're 10 years old, you're playing mites or – midgets but uh the, the next right. team up was the redskins and i was like disappointed that i didn't get to play for them because that was my favorite <laughs> team. and it, it's funny and I, and i still like the washington football team and um right I, I understand now that 
it was inappropriate. And I got to the point the past few years, you know, that I was just like, just change the name. It's going to happen at some point. It seems like everybody understood that and seen the writing on the walls, except for Dan Snyder, I guess. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, I get it now. And kind of that same thing where I was talking about the inferiority complex of being lighter skinned and having not always lived here. Um, it, it kind of our idea of what we're supposed to look like as indigenous people came from mm-hmm. those stereotypes, you know, and, and that yeah. I, I understand now that how that image negatively impacted my viewpoint on what I was supposed to be as a native person, um, because it's not true. And that, so, um, my so to touch on your next question, I guess my first introduction to stickball would have been that year when I moved up here in 96. Um, I was in fourth grade and um, I, I guess you probably remember, but for a long time with stickball, there was one community that played um, and that's Yohe, the mm-hmm. football team, actually a community that you're from, right? Yep. Uh, they yep. were the ones that kept it alive and there was nobody else that was playing. Um, and the elementary school actually had Tom Belt, one of the Cherokee language instructors at the time, who uh, um, became a Cherokee national treasure for Cherokee Nation last year, I think. He's a really awesome person and has lived here for a really long time. Um, He took it upon himself or the program at the school, I guess, to kind of put together a youth team of guys at the school to play against Wolftown. And so we put it together and I, I mean, they were like, who wants to play stickball? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And mm-hmm. I thought, that was tough, you know, so I went out there and uh, we got beat pretty bad because those guys <laughs> around had been picking up the ball and playing since they could walk. And uh, which is still like a learning curve for the team that I play for now, because a lot of times we go out against Wolftown and then um, it's starting to become more common with Big Cove as well. Like a lot of the guys that they're putting out have been playing since they were children and yeah we just kind of pick it up as adults and we don't get that same experience you know so it, it's tough and we have to push through that but um that was what happened to us that year and that was my first year and I loved it and then I think it kind of fell off after that I don't remember it mm. being available the, the next two years and then I think there was a time when I was in seventh grade that we actually went over to the Thomas Wolf Auditorium in Asheville and played on yep. a stage and that was the only two games I'd ever played in my life was when I was a kid playing for the elementary against Wolftown and then again in seventh grade um, playing and it was a demonstration I guess but you put a bunch of yeah. middle school boys out there and play a rough game like that for a crowd we didn't treat it like a demonstration we were going pretty hard but right yeah. so that was that was my first two times ever getting to play and uh I loved it and wanted to be a part of it, but I never really felt like I could go to Wolftown to play because I wasn't from there. I was from Birdtown. Right. So I was like, I didn't, and, and I'm sure that I would have been welcomed if I went um, and they would have took me in, but you know, things work out the way that they're supposed to. So I'm appreciative that they have worked out the way that they have, because I, I, I love the team that I'm a part of now. And we do a lot of positive work in the community as well as um, what we do on the field. So I um I landed in a really good spot, but I, I hate that I missed out on it as a kid. And I'm I'm just happy that those opportunities are going to be available for my kids now. Yeah, and 
uh, there's again there's so much uh, there that I want to go back to but I um first of all I I remember like I probably honestly I don't know if I don't remember remember you until we got into middle school and I think um had classes and together and stuff and I got more like I was oh god I was a cheerleader for a year no I try to try not to remember that but um uh but I mean I always loved football and I remember you were just so good and um and what was and what was great about Cherokee too was that you could play every sport if you wanted to because like it wasn't like we were you know a 5a school that had you know tryouts for a lot of like I mean you could you could almost play any sport you wanted if you you know if you tried hard enough and um, baseball during the same season like yeah go to go to track practice for an hour and then as soon as track practice was over we went to baseball practice you know like right it's like completely unheard of now it's that's so so unheard of but I and I remember you just kind of like I mean because you we had you I can't remember which year it was but we like you guys went to state right or did we go to state when we were in high school no um we felt like we we got close um yeah my freshman year, which I played JVs that year, but then moved up to varsity. Right. We regional finals and lost to Swain. And then, yeah. um, and they won state that year. And it was, it was a really close game. And yeah. My sophomore year, we were like picked to win state and heavily favored, like everybody's darlings that year. And then uh, we actually got, one game short of what we did the year before. So I think we got put out in the third round that year. Yeah. So, no, we, we, we didn't make it to state. Um, but, but there, I mean, but we were good, you know, like we, yeah, we had, we had a good, we had some really good, I, I, I try to block out all the, like the Swain games, honestly, but, <laughs> um, but, and you were, I just remember you were just one of the best, one of the best. And I, and I, I have, I do have vivid memories of us in uh, Miss D's class. <laughs> That's one of the fun one memories that I have is like, just us kind of, uh, or you in particular, kind of uh, giving her a hard time and uh, just having some fun with her in that class. Uh, yeah. And, but it's, it is funny, you know, looking back and um, so then when did you kind of get reintroduced to you know with with the hummingbirds when because I remember I like you said like it did it was very much like Wolftown was basically the only team playing and then yeah. it was definitely like a lull period and the women played a little bit when we were in middle school which was completely like though that was the most intimidating thing I've ever seen like there was no way people were like did you play and I'm like I there's no way I was playing I was so intimidated by that no, now was, I would I, play just because I think I could like outrun people but that's the only reason why <laughs> <laughs> um but and then so then was it after after high school and then I mean what was what was it like because I mean obviously we after high school we we kind of lost touch and so what was it like for you um kind of post high school kind of transitioning from that experience do you want the whole story (laughs) I mean if you want to if you want to tell it if you want to tell it man maybe not right now um so with with stickball though I was 25 it was um 2011 Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm starting to tell our age, I guess. I'm getting old now. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's crazy to think like I'm in my mid-30s now. But so I was 25, but it was 2011. Um, and I, I 
I think, and, and I could be wrong on this, that that was the first year that anybody besides Wolftown had played. And, and the reason that I think that I might be wrong is I've seen some pictures a few weeks ago that some Big Cove guys were posting, and they were from 2010. Mm. So I don't know if they actually played against Wolftown in 2010 or if 2011, the year that we got our team kind of reestablished. And I say reestablished because Tosh Welch and his father, Ike Welch, had put together a team when we were still in high school. I think it was like 2002, 2003. And I think they played like one or two years. Um, but they kind of, they they went by paint town at the time just because mm -hmm. the fair required everybody to have a township that they representative, represented, right. excuse me. And, um, but they kind of took in guys from like everywhere, police officers that Tosh knew and friends he had from college and, um, so it, it wasn't really representative of Paint Town or uh, Cherokee in general. I don't, I don't think there was there were some Cherokee guys on the team, but I would say it was about 50-50 of Cherokee and non-Cherokees. Um, but that was something that once we stood our team back up in 2011, and it, once they stood the team back up in 2011, I wasn't part of that, of the leadership of it. I was just asked to come out and play, and I did. Um, and then assumed a leadership role over some point within the team but um so it, it kind of died from I guess 2002 to 2003 and then got stood back up in 2011 but one of the main concepts that we did try to keep is that we try to be really inclusive we take guys from mm -hmm. every township or people who didn't always live here that are Cherokee and don't really feel a connection like maybe my grandma's from Big Cove or my grandma's from Wolftown or Birdtown, but I don't feel a connection to that because I never lived there. They, it, we were kind of that place where everybody could come together and, and we have guys from every community. Um, and we also try to be inclusive of spouses who are married to enrolled members um, because, you know, 300 years ago, we would have accepted those people as part of our tribe, even if, you know, right. they didn't plan or anything, they still became, they married into our tribe and and lived amongst us. So we accept those people. And, and to a lesser degree, I see the other teams starting to do it now. So I kind of feel like we encouraged that or facilitated that change a little bit. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, we, uh, so that was my first year and we played Big Cove and Wolftown that year. That was the three teams at the time was Walelu, Kolonayi, Wayohi. So Wolftown, Big Cove, Hummingbirds. Um, and we got beat handily by both yeah. of them. And, uh, it, and we took our lumps for years. And uh, I, I think 2016 was the first year that we beat every team. Um, and then we've done it one more time since then. And, uh, but we're, we're always competitive now, you know, I mean, and usually it ends up being like, we split either we beat Wolftown and lose to Big Cove or vice versa. And, and same way for them, like they'll beat one and lose to us or, or beat us and lose to the other one. And um, it's it's fun to see and the growth that's happened. And uh, Big Cove at some point stood up their kids team and they got that going now. And that was something that we had planned on doing this year until coronavirus set in. Like we were really excited about springtime. We were gonna put together mm -hmm. our team. And I had people reaching out to me and like, hey, I wanna bring my kid out and play for you guys. And it was it was really encouraging and to see and to know that there were kids out there that were hungry for it and parents that trusted us to kind of 
help facilitate the growth in their children um, and teach them that part of our culture. It was it was exciting and it's frustrating that we didn't get to do it, but it was it was for the best um, that we didn't play just you know to kind of protect our elders and everybody just protect our community and try to not facilitate spread of the disease or virus, excuse me. Not yes. So I, I understand it, but at the same time, I, I hate that we missed out on it this year. And it was kind of the same thing with our stomp dances this year. It was like, officially we told everybody they were canceled, but then like a, a core of us that were younger and really hungry for it, we still got together and had them. And then um, some of the others that were even older that really cared a lot about it came back. But then once the numbers started to go up here, we had to kind of go back to, hey guys, we're not gonna be able to do this. and. It's, it's just not responsible of us to gather and have that many people together. But it, I hate that a virus, I guess, can stop us from um, participating in our culture or practicing our culture. But yeah. at the same time, I don't think it extinguishes that fire that we've rekindled over the past 10, 15, 20 years that wasn't, as, wasn't burning as bright, I don't think, when we were kids growing up. Yes, absolutely. And thinking about that too is like, you know, I used to, my, my mom's grandma, my great grandma, she, um, I used to love hearing her stories and of just her experiences growing up and, you know, then, you know, working at the hospital and walking, you know, in the snow, you know, those stories, like I walked 10 miles in the snow, you know, all that stuff, but like, but they, I mean, but that, you know, those generations, they did have so much taken from them and they had so much loss. And, but the fact that they, I think it's so cool that like our ancestors, they like stuck, stuck it out and like stayed in our mountains and like persevered through that. And then, you know, I can't imagine what it was like trying to, you know, provide for, for your family. And like, you know, the time the country is kind of completely changing and trying to kind of adapt but and then also you know being uh basically punished for anything cultural and like shamed for it and so then that whole revitalization process and like I feel for like our parents because they I feel like they're kind of that generation that kind of just they kind of got they lost a lot and they or they never had the opportunity um but now like you said like we're doing all the revitalization and bringing all these things back and learning about like you know well like you said like um you know we would we would have welcomed people you know traditionally it wouldn't it wouldn't be we wouldn't be like judging each other by blood degree and blood quantum that's not our ways that's what was imposed upon us you know and um it's it's pretty in that you know that word trauma gets used a lot and I think it's hard for our community because I think I do think we all want to be tough and we want to be um, we don't want to show weakness, but I think once we realize like all the trauma that we have gone through our generations, like that can really help us like make sure we're doing better for, for the next generations. And, um, with that, how, like, how did you, how did you meet Rachel and, um, what, what was that like, and now having kids, what has that experience been like? Cause I can't even imagine, like, I still blows my mind that you have kids. So, so it's funny, you kind of touched on it earlier um, uh, with 
Miss D's class. And I don't know which which time you remember me being in Miss D's class or which memory is most vivid. I don't know if it was when we were seniors and had world history, I think. Yeah. And if you remember when we were freshmen, we had to take ELP and it had an end of end of course test. And then yeah. when we were seniors to where the freshmen took world history and the seniors took ELP. So we were kind of like that class that was in between. So right. it was, yes. there was like six of us that were, had the ability to graduate early and we took world history with a larger class of freshmen. There was probably like I, freshmen. In I there. do remember that. Rachel was one of the freshmen. And uh, <laughs> uh-huh. I remember like I moved to the back of the class because I, I kind of became friends with another freshman in there, Brandon Bark. And I would sit beside him and joke with him during class a little bit. And because uh, it was like the six of us seniors sat in a corner at the front of the class. And then all the freshmen were everywhere else. And then I, I kind of would move back there during some classes. And Rachel sat in front of me and we, you know, developed a friendship then and then maintained that um, until we were adults and started dating, which was like 2010 or 11, I guess. We, we started dating and then um, became more serious. And I think it's funny because we didn't date for very long before we got married and we got married in 2012, March, 2012. So it's been over eight years already, almost nine, but it was funny. And I, I think a lot of people, which, you know, almost with every marriage, it probably gets questioned, but then when it's your own, you know, people really screw you, you feel the scrutiny and hear the yeah. scrutiny. And it's like, I think people felt like we weren't together long enough. And because I, I remember Rachel would have people ask her, like, how long did you guys date? And it would be under a year before we were going to get married. And she would say that, well, I've loved him since 2004, which was. His, and and I, I agree with that. Like, I always loved her. We didn't always date. You know, we were friends and um, had life experiences. She was still in high school and I was doing other things, not very productive at the time. And. <laughs> It was, well, I, I say that, but at the same time, I feel like every bit of my journey has helped to make me who I am, and, and I'm pretty proud of who I am now, and I'm proud of um, the the place that I am in life and where God's placed me, and um, so yeah. I'm appreciative. I, I really believe in the more life experience that I've had. I, and I say it to people all the time. And I think when people are going through hard times, they don't really want to hear it and they're not really appreciative of it. But one yeah. thing I've seen that is, you know, things kind of work out the way that they're supposed to. And, and I feel like, you know, even though some of my journey isn't something that I, I love, um, I, I feel like it's helped me end up exactly where I'm supposed to be. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, and you know, we we often I think think now more than ever like it's funny because like just when we were in high school like it was really you know I, I remember passing notes and like how like we communicate like we we had cell phones I think when we were probably seniors but like we didn't it wasn't texting and like it wasn't social media and now it's like God, everyone's right. everyone everyone just sees like the you know 
the good things on social media and like and I think we I think we too when when you're in high school I remember like people being obsessed with like who drove what car you know and like what kind of cars yeah. people drive and like things like that that like now just seem really silly and it's like you know it really is the heart those those mo those hard moments and like I tell people a lot like I, I know I put on like and people say oh well, you look like you have everything just figured out I'm like that's just what the what's on the that's the facade but I, a lot of times I still there's and there's things I've been through that like you know most people don't know about and things I don't talk about it's just the same but it's like those are what really shape you and make you appreciative of all all the rest of it and so um what about what about the girls? What what is it like having two girls, right? Two or girls, three? one boy, yeah. One boy, so yeah. Boy sandwiched in the middle of the girls, um, and eight year old girl now, a six year old boy, and a four year old. Oh my gosh! Boy. Yeah, it's uh, how how has that changed you? I'm guessing that's changed. Wow. It, man, it, I w- I would think that a lot of parents would have the same answer, and. Uh, I was I was talking to one of my friends that had a baby within the past year. I was messaging him and telling him congratulations, and he messaged me. Uh, I think that his baby was probably like three, four months old, and he was like, "Man, you said something to me when I first found out that we were pregnant, and it was that you almost forget who you were before you had the kid because everything revolves around that, and it's not." it almost sounds like a negative thing if you're telling somebody that like your whole mm. perspective on life is getting ready to change um but it really does and what's important to me it just it, it's completely different I think about the things that used to matter to me and they just don't anymore and yeah it's it's a blessing because I, I think it helps you kind of put in perspective what matters and what really matters and, and just that love that I have for my children no matter how bad of a day I think I'm having you know when I come home uh, when one of my kids runs up and dad dad and wants to give me a hug or my son got a Nintendo Switch for his past birthday and he's like getting pretty heavy into Zelda right now and I'm prepared <laughs> for Zelda when I was a kid but it's cool to see him be passionate about it and want to play it so I'll play with him sometimes and kind of explore and it's it's fun and that's the thing I look forward to most now, I think is just, you know, making our kids happy and, and seeing them be happy and really seeing them be immersed in our culture and just knowing who they are and where they're from and um, have that understanding of it before they're even old enough to really express it is really encouraging to me. And I, man, I love seeing it so much. And I love hearing my kids talk Cherokee or dance when we're at the stomp grounds and um man it's just it's so much fun to see them grow and participate and be awesome little Cherokee people you know yeah yeah do you um do you think they'll go off to to college is that something that you thought about (laughs) I I hope so but yeah (laughs) my my oldest girl she's always just been like an awesome student since she was in daycare you know I I remember the first daycare that she was in before she moved to the immersion school they kept moving her classes like with older kids and as a parent you know it it kind of worried me a little bit because it was like now she's two and she's gonna be in there with like four-year-olds and they were like we can't challenge her enough she gets bored with kids her own age so and she's she's maintained that she's in second grade now and she um 
She's maintained that being a really good student. My son is really intelligent too, but he's yeah. a bit, and he's yeah. to focus on his schoolwork. And it's, it's funny because I'm sure he does his, did his teachers this way too when they were in class live. But now that he's at home, it's like he'll push us and know that he um, can just be like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this to where we're like, okay, look, this is what you need to do and almost tell him what to do. But then there's other times when, when it benefits him that we see that he knows exactly what to do. Or if we say something that he thinks is a mistake, he'll go to correct us. And it's like, if you know all this, why are you pushing us? To, and then my, my youngest one, she's not in kindergarten yet. She was in pre-K this year, but she would see her big brother and big sister having homework. And she's like, I want homework too. So we let her teachers know, or Rachel let her teachers know, and they put some packets together, just coloring sheets and stuff, you know, but she sees them wanting to work and she'll pull out her stuff and want to do her homework too. So it's, it's neat because I think education is something I didn't become passionate about until I was a parent. Um, yeah. I, I was not a great student when we were in school and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. At the time, I think that I felt like I was just not really intelligent or something. And now it's like, I look at it and it's like, I didn't apply myself or try. Exactly. Once I went to college, which I didn't do until I had a kid, because then I started looking at the job that I held at the time, which I, I was appreciative of. It was a tribal job and it was stable. But then when I would look at just the positions that were in the program that I was in, it's like, there's, there's higher paying positions in this very program. And there are people in them that I don't feel like are any more intelligent than me, but they have a degree and I don't. So I was like, yeah. I need to go back to school. And I, I went back to school for an associate degree in business administration. And like halfway through it, I realized like I hate this major. I'm not passionate about it at all. Mm -hmm. But now I'm kind of committed to it. You know, I've started this and I, I did really good and, and made A's. I think I made two B's, maybe three B's the whole time that I was working on my associate degree. So it was like, if I can do this at college, of course I could have done it in high school too, if I had just applied myself. Right. Um, but uh, so then it was like, I, I felt like gaining my associate degree was so easy that I was like, I kind of have to go get a bachelor's degree now right like yeah because you, you appreciate um potential so much more when you become an adult and it's like don't waste this and, and then I, you start to see what teachers and coaches seen in you when you were young and it was like you have so much potential to do this and do that like you need to do it and you don't hear that and you don't understand it when you're young or I, I didn't at least mm -hmm. um, you obviously did because you, you followed through on it but um, I, I didn't hear that and I didn't understand it. And I think part of it was, you know, I didn't have anybody in my family that was college educated or had a four-year degree. So it didn't seem like a reality to me, I guess. And I, I went to Western Carolina University right out of high school, but I it, it was easy to me at the time. I remember thinking the work was really easy, but I flunked out yeah. after my first semester because I just, like, I didn't even show up for my finals. Like I had no drive and didn't care enough about it. But then it was still just like, I knew it was too hard for me. It was like, that was my excuse. Like I tried, but it didn't work out, even though right. it didn't work out because I didn't make it work out. I didn't try to force that or um, 
do what I needed to do to make it work. And so that was kind of the easy way out for me, I think, to just be like, let me just go back to the res and be what they expect us to be. And I hate that I did that now, but you know, like I said. Well, and it's it's the system too, right? Like it's the system that also kind of, I think, like, I don't, like, I, I think, you know, I always argue with people who are like, oh, Cherokee schools aren't good. And I'm like, no, we, it's, we, no. you can, you can get a quality education, but it's also too. Yeah. And it's also too, like, you know, the whole, the, 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 you know, the testing system, all these things that, mm-hmm. that all schools do that aren't, that I think like places like the immersion school are getting away from is like, no, let's focus on actual like learning and like curry feeding curiosity and like that's something I've come up against in academia is like you know like we don't want people to memorize things for an exam that's not the goal you know and like I don't think we understand that when we're kids and we're you know and like you said there's so many other just forces that are telling you what you know what what you're supposed to do and not do and it's yeah it's it's pretty wild to think about. Yeah, so once I ended up going back to Western after I completed my associate degree, it was still just really easy. You know, it was yeah, yeah. There's no reason I couldn't have done this, but now I was grown and and I had things on the line instead of just other people extending that for me. Um, And I, I try to take full accountability for everything, so it's hard for me to apply. The system is what failed me. But it's right. a lot easier for me to look around at other people and see when it's happening to them that are from our community and our background to say, the system's not set up for you. Um, and, and that's why you're having this hard time and, and to help people work through that. So it's, and what you're saying about just memorizing answers for tests, you know, I, I think that one of the things that I've, I learned to love once I went back to school to get my bachelor degree and well, even my associate degree was to, um, I loved classes and professors that would let you write about the topic, like mm-hmm. turn in a paper. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, I have a paper that's due. I would much rather do that than do a yep. test that's looking for one answer because let me show you what I know. Because even yeah. if I can't give you the exact term that you're looking for, I understand the concepts. Exactly. And that, that's so much more fulfilling to me or was fulfilling to me through my educational journey of having classes where you actually got to write about because if I'm just picking an answer, I might not know the exact term that you're looking for or the exact A through D that you're looking for on a multiple. I know, I understand the topic that's being presented and and where it's at. Let me show you that through some writing. And um, that, that I think that part of education is kind of what led me to the venture that we're doing now with the Ani Kanaheshki um, website and trying to, like, we like to write. It was funny, your cousin Kristen that works with me and Kevin, yeah. is it? She, she was like, so you guys graduated school just to uh, start writing more, and she, like, because she hated it. And it's funny, yeah. but, and Kevin gave a really good answer. I didn't say anything. He answered, and he was like, that was the part of school that I liked. And, um, and, and we know, obviously, there's, there's more of us that are like-minded and, and enjoy doing that as well. And it's, um, it helps me reflect and kind of gain perspective, even of my own thoughts, you know, just to put them down and read them and be like, oh, okay, that's, that's why I feel the way that I do about certain things. 
Um, cause you know, in your head, they're just thoughts and, and they don't mm-hmm. always align or, um, add up to, they don't, they don't show that foundation of what it is, but once you put it down, then you gain perspective of who you are, even if it's intimidating, um, to let other people see your writing. Cause it's like a delve into your mind, you know, and those people, you almost feel exposed, you know, that yeah. who you are when you start to peel those layers back. But um, yeah, it is a very vulnerable thing. Like it's, it is a kind of, it's, oh yeah, there's so much that like it, and it, it, it is though, it's like therapeutic. Like for me doing the, doing the podcast, doing writing, anything like that. It's so like, it's just so freeing. It's like, cause I feel like if it was to stay in my brain, I would just go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. The, and we, one of the things that, and the idea that we had behind it is we wanted to bring on guests and have guest contributors. And once I, so before we ever launched the site or launched our social media for the site, I, um, I had my piece written and I felt really good about it. And when I read it to myself, I was like, yeah, I really like this. That was the decolonization piece. And I was like, "I, I really enjoy this and I think it's good. But then it was like, as it came time to post it, it was like fear started to creep in. It's like people are going to read this and they're going to think mm-hmm. like this guy to say this. Why does why does he think? Or you know what what does his opinion matter? What makes him think he's anybody to say this? But you know, right. and I think one of the things that we say on the page when we're we're talking about what it is is um, it, we're not saying that this is every indigenous person's viewpoint of the subject. It's yeah. it's one. And and you shared something. I, I I think it was a Kyrie quote, or maybe it was somebody else on a pair of shoes. It was yeah. It was so on the tongue of his shoes, it's like in every deliberation, we must consider the impact of our decisions of the seventh generation. And then yeah, his quote is I don't speak for all of us, but I speak as one of us. And that's the idea behind it. And I I, there's only one person that I've actually reached out to directly and because I think he has a really great story. Um, he has battled some addiction issues and is now in sobriety and is doing really good. And um, I'm really proud of him. He, he's a little bit older than I am or that we are, but he's from here. And I reached out to him one day and I was like, man, you should really write something because you have an awesome story. And I think that your voice can go a long way. And he agreed and he was like yeah man I've, I've been thinking about doing it but he hasn't given it to me yet and there's there's a couple things behind that I think it's like one I don't want somebody to feel like it's an assignment or a burden to do right it. right right but then it's like now when I see him is hey man I'm gonna get that to you and, and and he may be working on it he may just be busy but I almost feel like you know did he start thinking like I don't really want to put my name to this and yeah have, have people judging me um but he's in a really good place right now and I feel like if anybody judges him right now that's their own problem it's not his you know and that's right that's something that you should be fearful of and I don't have the best background I got a criminal history and um it that holds me back a lot of times even like sometimes I see jobs or uh grad school like applications that I think about doing and then I'm just like I hate having to explain this and it's it's yeah so- Trading in, it, it it's hard on my self esteem, and so I'm sure when he thinks about his addiction, it's probably the same way. And a lot of people, and you know, 
not just that, not a, not just a criminal history or an addiction or, yeah. or whatever. any any insecurity that somebody may have starts to creep in when you start to say like, hey, I, I have something that I believe in or that I would want to say, but then when you put it down, it's like, okay, I wrote it, but then am I really willing to let everybody read this and stand behind it? Because what if they start to nitpick, you know, and start to think about it? Yeah. And you just have to push past that, I think. Yeah. And all, of well, it's, and all of our journeys are important and who we are. And it's just like, tear that bandaid off and stand behind what you believe in because it's important. And, and what we have to say is important. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've, I have personally struggled with the mascot stuff recently because, you know, our tribe's working with the Braves and, you know, I, I, I and I, I, it's funny because when you were talking about earlier too, it's like, I think people don't understand, like we can be sports fans and be fans of a team and also want change. Like yeah. you can also like, like I think I'm, I'm the same way with the Washington football team. Like I will, like, that's just my grandpa's a fan. I'm not going to tell him to stop wearing his hat. You know, I'm not going to stop wearing, tell him to wear his gear, but, and I understand like he doesn't like, I understand why he's attracted to that because his generation, they had nothing to mm -hmm. like that they saw in society that was like them. And that was something that, he saw that was like, hey, cool, this is like us, you know, and it's our same colors as our high school. And, and then, but it wasn't until I left and I was like, well, people think we all look like that. And that's what they expect us to be like. And that's just, like you said, we're all so unique and we can only speak for ourselves individually. And it's, it just is such a, it's just one of those things that exemplifies, I think that, that issue, but, um, and it is, it's, but what I love what about you're doing this this um, website and blog is that it's more than just like a tweet or a Facebook post. You know, it's an actual like substance. Like that's what I think. We everyone's lazy now. They don't want to read. Like they don't want to actually like put the time in. And I think the more we can do that and have a like a full message. Like I loved I love Georgian too because like people love lists too. And so like the way you were able to like give you know kind of a list of things to like suggestions like that's but it's it's so much more substantive substantive blah blah blah. blah. Um it just has so much more substance to it that like you know than just like a random like meme or something that you could share on, on Facebook. So um I'm really so like it's just so great I love I'm such a fan and like so excited to see um where it goes because it's I think such a great platform yeah um and th that was the it needed to be more than a Facebook post and I think that was the whole idea behind it is sometimes we have thoughts and how how serious does somebody really take it if it's just your opinion from a post on Facebook they're just like Ah, whatever you know and yeah they feel that yeah. way but other people feel different ways and that's absolutely true but well if if you feel different than what my writing is then we welcome you to yeah post your own and let's and have a dialogue it's <laughs> and we'll be encouraging of it and say you know i mean there's there's two sides to the coin and somebody feels this way or whatever and if so we we encourage that and we just want to facilitate dialogue really yeah. because the same way that I said that as an individual you start to understand who you are when you see your writing when we see each other's writings or mm -hmm. hear each other through a platform like your um 
podcasts that you're doing or writing or books from Native authors, um, we start to understand who all of us are as Native people. And yeah. it, that's kind of one of the things, like, I'm so proud of Rachel, where she's a Cherokee language instructor at the school now. And yeah. um, because we didn't have a lot of Cherokee teachers or yeah. teachers at all growing yeah. up. So, and, and there were some that we had that I didn't even realize were indigenous at, at the time. Right. It's funny. So, uh, but I, I think there's more and more now that there's more indigenous teachers in the schools. Yeah. Um, and so the kids get to see somebody who looks like them or comes from the same place that they did and understand that that's who I can be. And if you learning from them, and I think that was something that I struggled with once I was here and was immersed in my family and surrounded by other Cherokee people is like, these people don't come from the same background as us. Like they're telling us we can do this or that, but they don't have the yeah. same experiences as us. So how can they say? Um, yeah. And the, my daughter's school, she got taken on a field trip. It was one of my favorite things that they did a while back. Um, I, I can't remember if it was last, I think it was when she was in kindergarten, they took them different places. I guess they were learning about different infrastructure. And so like they went to the police station and met some of the police and they, um, they went to the post office and met the postmaster and, and seen how different things worked. But um, they had Cherokee people at each of those places showing them. So they understood that, okay, yeah, as a Cherokee, I can be a police officer or I can work at the post office. Or um, my favorite one was they went and met with a judge and it was Judge Swimmer. And it was like, my daughter got to see a Cherokee woman that has a law degree, practiced law, is now mm -hmm. a judge. And I was like, that's so awesome. And yeah. just to see that there are other, and uh, my, my daughter's pediatrician is um, Carmen Nations, who is, yeah. um, She's not Cherokee, but she's you. She's Native American. So seeing people, and, and she grew up here, the, the Arkansas, of course, like, I think she lived here pretty much all of their life, her and her siblings. And so yeah. I mean, they're immersed in our community, even if they're not members of our tribes, they're still members of another tribe. And that's, that's so awesome to me that our kids get to grow up and see people who are in those types of positions. So it normalizes it for them. To Absolutely. That, yeah, there may still be healing that has to be done from the historical grief and trauma that's caused you know substance abuse and alcohol abuse in our communities domestic violence and all of that there, there's still some healing that has to be done but look around you there's people that are in these positions that and that's who you can be so even if you leave and go off to college um you're Cherokee no matter what and and you have a home here and I, I think that's where you were going earlier with, do I think my kids will go off to college? And I hope so. Um, but I also hope that they remember who they are and oh, yeah. uh, who they are and where they're from. And one of the ones, so my my oldest daughter, she we rode through Western's campus one day just riding around and she was forever. She's always said that she wants to go to the University of Miami just because, you know, I'm a huge fan. And yeah, yeah so she's she said that but then we were riding through western and she's like i don't think i want to go to school here dad and i was like well how come and she's like it's too big and i was like well, where do you Aww. want i said where do you want to go and she said uh i want to go to miami and i said well miami's a lot bigger than this babe 
I said, and she yeah. like, so that's something you need to think about. So then I started thinking about some smaller schools and I, we were talking about like UNC Asheville and she's young, you know, she's in second yeah, grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in second grade, but we were talking about other schools, but then I kind of started brainstorming and I was like, I, I hate for her to move too far away or move somewhere and, and she not want to come back, you know, because yeah. we want her to be involved in our culture. And, and, and I think that she will be, I think that she already displays a love for it. But um, then I started thinking about like Northeastern state. I was like, how cool would that be to go yeah. and be an ABCI member? And I, I don't know anybody that we went to school with that went to school there at Northeastern yeah. state. And it's like, go, be active and and have interaction with other Cherokees and and see that there's more people that come from our lineage that are still practicing their culture. It's not just right here or what you see right here. Um, there's people in Oklahoma that are the same as us um, that are still doing the same things and go be part of that. And then okay. that would be a good place to go to school, I think, and and kind of build that network and family out there and, and be more. Um, accepting and knowledgeable about our Cherokee brothers and sisters out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really that's kind of what I, the more people I talk to that went to high school, I love hearing their experiences of, you know, just being immersed around other, other tribes and other, other nations. And that's kind of one of the things I love about being out here in Oregon is that we have, it's just, it's so funny on the West coast, the, the, just the, recognition of native peoples is so much higher on the on the west coast like it's not like they're you know it's a great you know it's a it's this great relationship but it is there there is way more recognition but it's funny I actually you'll appreciate this there's there's a guy who was an archaeologist um and a professor here at Linfield and uh he's retired now but he reached out to me he's like hey I'm making a connection with the Grand Ronde who are kind of the, the tribal group in our area and he's like, you know, there's this mound out here in McMinnville that like basically no one knows like what the story about it. And it's but it's a it's a obviously like a native mound. And so we went out the other day with the, some of the elders from Grand Ron and it was like that was the kind of stuff that like, you know, I can bring, you know, my experiences, but also hear, you know, about about their experiences and, um, you know, find those similarities. It's just like. And then I like the first thing I do, you know, call my grandma and have to tell her about it, you know, and it's like, that's, that's the way I kind of, I hate not being home, but it's so cool to be able to have those experiences too. And like, kind of make, connect the dots. And like, I've, I've met people out here in Oregon. It's funny. I met someone from Warm Springs that like went to Haskell with Micah Swimmer and like the, the Indian country is so small. So that's kind of the cool thing I love about, you know, if you're not there, you can still find kind of find that community and I do I I do ultimately you know want to want to come home and want to be home but like it is pretty cool to have um these experiences and you know that's thankfully the technology now allows a lot more you know of, of connection but I I love that perspective of like you know I and I think our communities are so tight and people don't understand like how important the community and those those families and that relationships are and so when you can kind of replicate that um, if it's not, if you're not going to be home, if you can replicate that, I think that's so exciting. And I can't wait to like, and I was just, when you were saying Miami, I was like, you can tell her Tennessee too, it's only two hours away. So she can come <laughs> home pretty easily. You know, you get half of, you know, get the orange in there. So just, uh, just throwing that out there. But, um, but no, this was and uh, like doing like, honestly, I appreciate you so much because, you know, there's plenty of people in Cherokee who maybe don't really care about 
yeah, or like don't not not that they don't care about me, but they just like don't they don't see like they're like they're kind of in their own like you said it's it can be a bubble you know and like people don't really see outside of it but like I think we're stronger when we all are working together and um but th- I thank you because like your our friendship is really like just helped me be be not not being home you know and like um doing this stuff with stickball has been one of the most rewarding things and I'm really excited. I have a colleague at Baylor University and he wants to do more work around um, the Chickasaw and the Choctaw and their stickball games. And I'm just like, yes, let's let's do this. And like, let's keep doing this work. And um, so I, I thank you so much. I actually have a student waiting on me now, but um, we're in the middle of registration time. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy for uh, next next semester, but I do, I'm, I'm so appreciative of you and your, your time and your sharing and um, tell people where they can find, find the blog. So the, the name of the blog is Ani Konaheshki and I really thought about doing something easier, but then I thought about my writing, which I'd already done. And it was like, don't back away from indigenous names, even though yep. it may be harder. Yep. So the, and we've been meaning to do uh, an about the name on the site and we haven't done it yet just because yeah. I want to really sit down with the speaker who recommended the name to us to make sure that I understand it good enough. But um, so Kanaheshki is a term that's used for storytellers in Cherokee. So that's, yeah. but the, the, the way I understand it is that the more literal translation would be like somebody that tells the news. Um, mm. So, and then the Ani makes it plural. So it's like storytelling people or people that are yeah. telling the news. So it's A N I K A N O H E S G I. So we have a Facebook page that people can go and like and follow. Um, if anybody wanted to contribute, they can just shoot that page a um, message, and we'd be happy to to get people's voices out there. I think the only things that me and Kevin have talked about that we didn't really want to do is like be decisive or not decisive. Um, we don't want to be divisive. Divisive, we, yeah. Yeah, we we don't want any, you know, thing that's going to push too hard against like other natives or something, you know, or like <laughs> we don't we don't want something that's going to be offensive. Um, yeah. But, you know, our, our opinions are our opinions and, and they matter. So we're not going to say that we're not going to tackle tough subjects, but we kind of, we were talking about the election that's going on right now. We were, of course, like both of us are pretty happy with the results that are coming in, but it was like, we don't want to go out and be like a political thing to where we're, Hey, everybody that's indigenous should support this person because people come from different backgrounds, have different experiences that make them feel different ways. And everybody's entitled to their own opinion and their own vote. Um, So we didn't want to like endorse a candidate, but we were like, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to somebody talking about like policy issues that they think are important or, or what things could be done. And then people can draw their own conclusions about who's better on those. Um, yeah. So, but we're, I mean, it's just creative writing. Um, yeah. It's my own to share. If it's poetry yeah. or anything, it doesn't have to be opinionated. And I think Kevin and I are really like-minded. So a lot of times our writing looks the same or yeah. kind of comes from the same place. And we talk and we bounce ideas off of each other all the time. We work together. We're friends outside of work. So I don't want people to look at our stuff and think like, oh, well, my writing or what I have to say doesn't really reflect the same things that theirs does. So I I don't want to, because that's not what it's about. We want more people to be involved. And one of the things that Kevin talked about 
when we started it was that um, we would like to see it be self-sustaining and the yeah. fact that we don't need to feel like we need to put writing out ourselves every couple of weeks to where it's just like we got people lined up in the queue that want yep. to posted and you know every week we can be like hey yours is going up appreciate you submitting something to where and then when we really want to push something or we have something that we want to put out of our own we can but it's not necessary anymore and um it just being really appreciative of you like when you reach out to me and was like hey I might have some students that are interested I was like man I forgot that like I have friends that work in universities yeah. and then uh, Trey Adcock was another one. He's a professor at UNC Asheville and he's a Cherokee Nation, nation citizen. And he was the same way. He's like, man, I really like what you're doing. It's awesome. And I might have some students that are interested or I might want to write something. And it was, it was really cool and it shocked me. And it was like, man, I didn't even think about the resources that I have available and, and mm -hmm. having these places. But I also don't want to, you know, seem like I'm begging. <laughs> and it's like, hey, right. let's write something for us. Because that's not what it's about. You know, we're not it's there we don't have any idea of how this could be profitable or anything we just want it to be a platform yeah um, and that's it we, we just want our voices heard and we enjoy writing and, and we enjoy reading other people's perspectives and just giving that platform and but then like you talked about I think it could be really good for students when they start to apply for grad school as part of their portfolio to say exactly hey, published on this site and um if you really want to know who I am or um what kind of writing skills I have here somewhere that you can go and find it. So we're Absolutely. excited about it and, and we want to do more with it. And I'm excited for you. I'm proud of you, Nat. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Well, I am so grateful for you. And uh, this will be the first of many. We'll have to come back and do a whole, we have so many topics we can deep dive on. So, yeah, so uh, you will, you'll about. be, a you'll be a recurring guest for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty excited and I'll be sure to share the link through the podcast too. Yeah. Sorry to talk over you, but it's like every topic no. we talked about, we probably could have went an hour on, but. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. Thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you. Take care. You too.